Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. Hey, Connect. Uh, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name's Chris. I get to serve on the team here. And thrilled you decided to join us again today. If you're coming back, welcome back. If it's your first time, thanks for being a part. We're in a series, as Tyler said at the beginning, called Rooted. And we're in this series because we all desire transformation. We want to grow. And What we talked about last time in week one of Rooted is that in order to grow, in order to experience the transformation we desire, we've got to connect with God, the church, and our purpose. Our growth potential is actually dependent upon the depth of our roots, and Rooted is an invitation to all of us to put down deeper roots. And the question we get to look at today is a question that could keep us learning, keep us talking forever. The question is this, who is God? Who is God? Philosophers, theologians, they've spent their entire lives studying this question, reading about this question, talking about and writing about their response to this question, who is God? But the answer to this question isn't just for theologians and philosophers. It's for all of us. Because as a thought leader in the 20th century wrote, who's actually a theologian himself, his name was A.W. Tozer, he said this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Why? Why is what we think about God the most important thing about us? It's because whether or not we know God now, it dictates our eternity. If we know God and we have a relationship with him, we get to experience that now and forever in heaven with him one day. But if we do not know God and we don't have a relationship with him, then our current existence, our current experience is just going to continue forever. And the Bible calls that hell, life apart from God forever. Now, why is what we think about God important? Well, life and death, I mean, they hang in the balance based on our answer to this question, but more so than our answer to this question, our actual experience of it. Now, the good news for us is that God wants us to know him. He actually reveals himself to us in a variety of ways because he wants us to have a relationship with him. Uh, one of the, some of the ways that he reveals himself, very generally speaking, uh, through creation. All we got to do is look west at the Rockies, and you can't help but wonder, like, how did that come to be? Another thing that generally, generally reveals God is morality. We all have different backgrounds. We all have different upbringings. We all maybe even come from different uh, religious understandings. And yet, there's something in us that knows some things are right and other things are wrong. God also chooses to reveal himself very specifically to us. He does this in all kinds of different ways. Some of us have experienced these. Uh, he can sometimes reveal himself through dreams or visions prophecy, preaching, uh, movements in history, scripture. God often reveals himself through scripture. And today we're going to look at the, the clearest, the most evident way that God revealed himself to us and invited us to have a relationship with him. So if you got a Bible, 
Turn with me to 1 John 4, 7 through 21. Here, God reveals who he is and how we are to relate with him and how it's going to impact our relationship with others as well. Now, if you need a Bible or a place to jot down notes, you can just follow along in our church app. People have been getting to know God since the beginning of time. There are libraries full of books written about him. So I would be foolish to think that in the next 25 to 30 minutes, I could cover all that there is to cover about God. So I'm not going to try. I'm just not going to try. My goal is not to increase your knowledge about God. That's not what I'm shooting for today. Because I think God wants something more for us. He doesn't want us just to know about him. He wants us to know him, to personally know him. And that's what we're going to see today. But before we get into the text, let's pause and let's pray. And let's ask that God yet again reveal himself to us. Lord, we come before you and we, we want to know you. Uh, for some of us, you feel far off and distant. Others of us might not even know if, or even think that you maybe even exist. Some of us do know you personally. Would you meet us right here in our, on our own lives, in our own thoughts, in our own heart, and would you reveal yourself to us now? Would we see you more clearly? Would we know you more personally? Speak through your words. Speak through this message. In Jesus' name, amen. What we're about to read, God inspired, and he had John, a very close friend and follower of Jesus, write this down after Jesus had ascended into heaven. And this is how God chose to reveal himself to his people. One of the many ways, but the way that he wanted John to pen, and it's what we're going to see today because it is far more personal than philosophical. Let's look at this. 1 John 4 starting in verse 7, says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. God is love. It's a simple yet profound statement. In this simple statement, God is love, we learn a couple of things. We learn that God is the source of love. Uh, Even the end of verse 7 says, for love comes from God. God is the source of love. And another thing we learn in this statement that God is love is that God is relational. Love is a very relational term. We love one another. That's how we relate together. Now, throughout the rest of this passage, what we're going to see is that that God is, is one being in three persons. And he has forever existed in this perfect, loving community. In this passage, we see that we've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. Theologians call this the Trinity. We believe in one God who is three persons. And each of these persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, they have loved each other, mutually loved each other for all eternity. Now, this idea of the Trinity, it's really hard to wrap our minds around. And there is a video that we're going to include in our app. It's also going to be in the weekly email this week. So if you want to like try to understand this divine mystery just a little bit more, check out the app, check out the weekly email. But for now, let's just know this. God is a perfect, loving community. The Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Spirit. The Spirit loves the Father. This is how they have related together as God forever, and how they will forever relate with one another. But they wanted to include us in that 
relationship. You see, as we continue reading, we see that God isn't just love. He loves us like you and me. He loves us, and this is how he showed his love among us. Now in verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. God loves us. He wants a relationship with us, so he made a way. He sent his one and only son, who we know as Jesus. To do what? Well, the passage says, to atone for our sins. What it? What is that about? Because I'm pretty sure if your life is anything like my life, you probably didn't use that word atone or atonement at all this past week. I certainly didn't. Well, to understand what John is getting at here, we've got to go way back to the beginning, like the very beginning, where scripture tells us in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Literally, God created everything from the heavens to the earth and everything in between. God created it all. Now, being the creator of it all, that means God was pre-existent. He existed before it all. Again, that perfect, loving community. And then he created the world because, well, he wanted something that would reflect his glory. He wanted a people to enjoy his love with. As the, the, the creation story continues, we see that God created everything. It was good. It was so good. The mountains, the ocean, the the butterflies, the fish, all of it. God created all of it. It was good. And then he had a stroke of genius, and he created humanity, people, Adam and Eve. And he created them to experience life with him. But something happened. As history unfolds, Adam and Eve did what you and I have done since, and they sinned. They disobeyed God. God, love is a choice. He created an opportunity for them to choose to love him, and they did for a time. But all it took was a moment where they decided, I don't know if God knows what's best. I'm going to go my way instead of God's way. They sinned. They disobeyed. They turned their back on God. And as a result, that sin broke humanity's relationship with God. Now, before we blame Adam and Eve for all of the problems that we have in life, can we agree that we have done the same thing? There have been times where we've known the right thing to do, and yet we chose to do the opposite. There have been other times where we knew it was wrong, and yet we did it anyway. We've all done this, and when we do it, the effect is the same. There is brokenness, there is pain in our life, and ultimately there is a separation, a disconnection between us in God. Because here's what we got to understand about God. God is holy. He is spotless. He is sinless. He is perfect and pure. He can't be in the presence of sin. In fact, when we get a glimpse of God on his throne in scripture, here's what we see. This is from Revelation 4. These are the angels around the throne. They say they can't stop singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Friends, God is glorious. He is good. He is pure and perfect. He is holy. And the only proper response to God is to worship him, 
Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and is to come. That is our God. He is holy, he is perfect, and he can't be in the presence of sin, which means, left to our own devices, he can't be in the presence of us. Our sin disconnects us from God. The very relationship we are created to experience, our sin, our, our choice, separates us. Now, Scripture is clear that the wage for our sin isn't just disconnection from God now, it's actually disconnection from Him forever. The Bible calls that hell. The wage for our sin is death, and eternal death if we don't repent of our sin. But here's what we just read in 1 John 4, 9, and 10. This is how God showed his love among us. While he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. When, when we're disconnected from God, when we were stuck in our sin, God sent his son, Jesus, to do what we couldn't do for ourselves. Jesus lived a, a sinless life, a perfect life. And then when he died, he died a death that he didn't deserve. He didn't have any sin. He had no wage to pay. So when he died, he paid for your sin and my sin. Literally, his death atoned for it, covered over our sin. Now, when, when we accept Jesus and, and the forgiveness he offers us for our sin— when God looks at us, he doesn't see us stuck in our sin. He sees his son, the perfect sacrifice, who died in our place. And now we can stand before God because Jesus laid his life down. But here's the cool thing. He didn't just stay dead. He victoriously rose from the dead. And in so doing, he's offering us life. Uh, Paul, an apostle, first century, he summarized this good news, the gospel, this way. Romans 8. 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. Jesus' death atoned for it, covered over our sin. And now, through Jesus, we're forgiven. Through Jesus, we're set free. Through Jesus, we can connect with God. We can experience the relationship we were created to experience from the very beginning. I, uh, I remember when I was seven, and in Sunday school, we were talking about some of these things, and something struck a chord with me, because that week, when I was before bedtime with my mom on my bedroom floor, I remember praying with her, because, quote, I didn't want to go to hell. Literally, that's what she wrote in her journal. That was my reason. I just didn't want to go to hell, so I was like, Jesus is my get-out-of-hell-free card. All right, I need Jesus. And that's true. But it was a few years later, seven to be exact, when I was 14, I really saw that God had more for me. He wanted more in our relationship together than just getting out of hell. He wanted me to know him and to help others know him. So at a, at a church plant, I was hearing this. My friends, I saw their zeal, their love for Jesus, and I wanted that kind of joy. I wanted that kind of peace. I wanted that passion to characterize my life. And I, I, like them, I was like, all right, I'm all in. Like, I'm all in. I'm going to follow Jesus. This is not just my parents' thing. This is my thing. So I got baptized, just like Jesus taught. For me, it was in a hotel pool, because that's where we were meeting as a church at the time. 
And from that moment, it has not always been easy. I still will slip up at times. I still will say things I regret. I'll do things I wish I hadn't done. But I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. I can stand before God. I have a relationship with him. And it's all because of Jesus. I mean, Jesus has not just changed me like in an abstract sense. He has changed how I live my life on like a very practical basis. For example, I, like probably many of you, I like to sleep. I like to sleep in. But I love Jesus more. So what I try to do is I try to set an alarm so that I can get up before the rest of the house gets up and I can spend some time reading the Bible. Not because anyone's saying I have to, but because I want to. Because I want to know him. I want to know him more. I want to know him like I know my friends. Uh, I, Jesus has also changed how I relate with the people around me. Whether it's with my wife Amanda or our girls, when I've read scripture, what I see is that I'm supposed to sacrificially love like Jesus loved me. Now, I, I don't do that well by my own strength. I, I come up short. But there are times where he has been working in me, he's been doing something good, and it starts to express itself in a way that's good in our house. And I praise him for that. I, when I think of money or time, like my tendency is I want to just kind of grab it and control it and do what I want with it. But because of Jesus, whether it's, money, time, my life, I want, I want to invest that in something that's so much bigger than me. I want to give my life to helping others know Jesus like I know Jesus. Is it tempting to live for myself? A hundred percent. Like, I'm real good at living for myself. But when I have, the more I get to know Jesus and the more I experience his grace and his forgiveness, the more I don't want to live for myself. I want to live for him. I want to live a life in relationship with him. Now, I don't, I don't do any of these things to earn some kind of a relationship with God. I do this because I have a relationship with God, and I want to experience more of him. And I know that I have a relationship with God, not because I get up early sometimes, or because I, I sacrificed for my wife, or what I, I don't know that I have a relationship with God because of those things. It's so much better than that. I mean, look, look at what John writes next. We actually see that it's God's spirit in us that's our guarantee. That's how we know we know Jesus and we know God. Listen to this, verse 13. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us. This is what mature love looks like. So that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. God loves the world. He sent his one and only son, Jesus, so that we can have a relationship with him. He sent Jesus to save the world. And verse 15 promises, if anyone, anyone, you, me, anyone, acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. 
we know we're saved. We know we have a relationship with God because he's given us of his spirit, just like verse 13 says. Now, let's take a sec. Let's press pause. Let's recap, okay? Because we've already covered a ton of territory, starting with the fact that God is love. Father, Son, and Spirit have forever existed together in perfect loving community. And God created everything. He created us specifically to have a relationship with him. But our sin separates us from God. But God, even when we were stuck in our sin, God sent his son so we can again have a relationship with him. You tracking with me? Now, we have a relationship with God. And when we do, his spirit is in us. Okay, this, this is incredible. Because when I read scripture... And I, I read the Old Testament, and I read the stories of Abraham or Moses and how the, the God of the universe, who is over all, speaks to them and reveals himself to them and, and wants to use them to reveal himself to people. I look at Abraham, Moses, these guys, and I'm thinking, that has to be incredible. I mean, the God who is over all spoke to them. And, and then I look at the Gospels, and I think of, I mean, these people like walked the earth when Jesus walked the earth. They were there on the mountainside when he taught and on the beach when he taught and they saw the signs, they saw the wonders. Some of them were healed by Jesus. And I'm thinking, that had to be incredible. I mean, think about it. Like they experienced God with us. So we see that, you know, there are people in scripture, they got, they got experiencing God over us and we got the people in the gospel, got God with us. I mean, these characters in the Bible, they, they, got, they got it pretty good. And then I read what we just read, and I read the rest of the New Testament. And what I see is that not everyone in the Bible actually experienced what you and I get to experience. They may have experienced God over us. They may have experienced God with us in Jesus. But you and I, we get to experience God in us, like in us. The same spirit who inspired the people to write scripture is in us. The same spirit who rose Jesus from the dead is in us. We should probably live like it. It's no wonder that John says uh, we will have confidence in the day of judgment. Uh, We don't fear punishment because we have faith in Jesus. He, He covered over our sin. We don't fear punishment. We have something so much better. We got a relationship with God. And verse 18 encourages us, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Some of us need to print that out, post it on our refrigerator, and remember that we are loved. Others of us, maybe it's saving it as a wallpaper on our phone. So when we just grab our phone and do what we always did and we're just going to hop on social media... Instead of slipping back into that anxiety vortex, what if we were reminded that that we are loved, not because of how many likes we have. We're just loved because of who we are. We are his, and he is love, and he loves us. Uh, There's no fear in love because perfect love, God's love expressed to us through Jesus, perfect love drives out fear. God's love is game-changing. And it changes how we're going to relate with each other, too. Just look at this. Verse 19. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen, 
cannot love God who they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. God is love. And we love because he first loved us. That's what this is all about. John makes the case that if, if we claim to love God and yet we fail to love those in front of us, we're fooling ourselves. How are we going to love God who we can't see if we can't love the one in front of us who we can see? That's John's reasoning. Now, having experienced God's love, it's actually out of the overflow of that that we can love. We can love him. We can love others. So God's love fills us, not because we've done anything to earn it, just because he is love and he chooses to love us. God's love fills us and then it, it spills out from us it, to the one in front of us. It spills out in, at our home, in our neighborhoods, spills out as we interact with those who are right now far from God. Let's come back to our question, who is God? Who is God? A philosopher might say God is an eternal relational being who created us to experience an eternal relationship with him. But God had John write something a little more personal. God is love, and we love because he first loved us. Love is who God is. He's the source of love. He is relational. He is the perfect expression of love. And he chose to express that to us. We love God. We love others because God first loved us. Now, experiencing God's love personally, it, it's dependent upon whether or not we receive that sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And the, the Rooted book very succinctly summarizes what we see in Scripture. I was reading it on day five this week. They're like, it's as simple as ABC. I'm like, that's, that's pretty simple. I ain't tracking Admit you're a sinner. Believe in Jesus and what he did. And the way that we see that expressed in Scripture is, is we get baptized. It's this beautiful outward expression of a spiritual reality. We, we are dying to that life of sin because we are forgiven in Christ and now we rise to this new life with him. Admit you're a sinner. Believe in Jesus and what he's done and commit to follow him. Commit to follow him. If you have questions about following Jesus or making a decision to follow Jesus, talk with your group leader or catch me after service. I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to talk about the questions you have and just see and hear what God's doing in your life. Maybe we'd even get to pray together too. Experiencing or entering into a relationship with God, I mean, it, it can happen in, in a moment. It's a quick deal. But growing in a relationship with God, oh, that's the journey of a lifetime. It's really our joy for all of eternity. And we're going to join with the angels in saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. But between now and then, we're not going to just do things because that's what we've been told to do. We want to know God. We want to grow in our relationship with him. We want to experience him. We want to hear him speak into our life. So we do crazy things, like get up earlier than others because we want to read his word. Or we lay down our personal preferences for the good of others. 
After all, it's our love expressed to others that's evidence that we love God because he first loved us. The most loving thing that we could do if we're parents is talk with our kids about God and his love. In fact, right now, your kids are learning about this very thing. They're talking about who is God too. And they're talking about how God loves them. So, whether you realize it or not, you are just equipped to have a great conversation on the way home. Don't let the conversation stop here. Ask your, your kids on the way home, who is God? What does it mean that God is love? And just see, see where the conversation goes. Of course, we're going to have the conversation in groups this week as well. Because this is a conversation we could have for the rest of our lives as we continue to get to know God more and more and more. Because he is love and he is so much more. Let me leave you with this, an encouragement from the Old Testament and then an encouragement from the New Testament as we seek God together. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And then James 4, 8 begins, Come near to God and he will come near to you. This is good news for us. God is horrible at hide and seek. Horrible at hide and seek. And he says that if, if we would seek him, we'll find him. If we will come close to him, he will come close to us. So let's make that our pursuit. Not just today, not just this week, but for our lives. Lord, we would ask that that would be true of us. That we would know you more and more each day. That we would experience your grace and your goodness. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for revealing your love to us through him. We are so grateful. While we were stuck in, in the pit of our sin, you pulled us out. And we worship you. We are so grateful for this. So God, would you continue to reveal yourself to us through your word, through each other. Maybe even through other things like prophecy and preaching and dreams and visions. But Lord, we just praise you that you have revealed yourself to us through Jesus. And for that, we are so grateful. In his name, amen.